Well, good morning, church. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Are you glad to be here? Just so you know, nobody in Ohio says weed whacker. <laughs> I don't know where he got that from. Uh, he don't represent my people, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Happy Father's Day to all the dads in the room. Uh, it doesn't matter uh, if you're a physical father, a stepfather, a, a spiritual father, whatever that role is, you've stepped in. We want to say we're glad you're here, and Happy Father's Day to all of you. So give it up one more time for all the men today. It's also Juneteenth, which is a day that President Biden uh, put in as a federal holiday that we just want to honor and say thank God that that is a part that, let me say it like this, we have a tricky history in the United States of America, and I'm thankful that a hundred and something years ago, the Emancipation Proclamation was put into effect, and that our black brothers and sisters are free today. So our offices are closed tomorrow, our VKA is closed tomorrow, so I just want you to know that just go home and just observe this day and be thankful for it, amen? Now I want to give you an update, last week we spoke briefly, I think, I don't know, an hour last week on our forward offering. How many of you want to know what happened last week, what we brought in? Well, I'm not going to tell you. I, we are going to hold off. We still have people giving, going through online, take some time. So I want to encourage you, you still have time to give. We're going to tell you more next week or the week after, probably next week. But we're just giving you some more time. So if you felt like you missed it, I want, you to give, I want to give you just a little more time. And I'm going to just tell you something. I'm really excited to share some good news with you. So it's going to be good. Somebody say amen. All right. Um, we're continuing a series called Untamed. Everybody say Untamed. And in this series, we've been doing a sweeping overview uh, of the book of Acts and how the book of Acts is our historical documentation of the first century church. And we believe that it is a blueprint to how we are to expect the, new, the current church to be. It should also, it should mirror our attitude. Uh, we should mirror the way they thought and the way they addressed things and dealt with things. And so week one, we talked about the danger of a domesticated church that we are not met or made to be kept in the yard. Uh, we were made to believe for big things. We were, we were made to be passionate, pray big prayers, and not allow the culture around us to intimidate us, to hide in our buildings. Can I get a yes? In week number two, we talked about an untamed church is a generational thinking church. Uh, Acts chapter two, we talked about how the scripture says that this promise is not only to you, but also to your children. And we talked about being a church for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that the move of God in one generation is to be passed on to the next generation. And so we talked about that last week, and today, I want to go a little further, uh, week number three. I want to talk about the untamed church is a judgment-free zone. There was a national survey done a few years ago by a Christian organization, and this Christian organization interviewed unbelievers and asked them 
what word best describes your impression of Christians that you know? Christians that you know, not what you see online or TV, Christians that you know. And their answer was one word, judgmental. And we've all heard the stories over and over how people have met Christians or seen posts online or gone to a church where they felt the eyes of judgment from other attendees, felt that they were inconveniencing them, felt they didn't have the right clothes or that they had been through a divorce, they didn't have it all together, they were down on their luck, they had made some poor choices, they didn't look like church people, didn't maybe smell like church people, didn't act like church people. And whenever I hear stories like that, if I were honest, it, it kind of breaks my heart because the church was not built or made for perfect people. The church was made for imperfect people. I remember reading in Mark chapter two, I was reminded this morning just thinking about it that Jesus was eating with sinners and tax collectors and the Bible says that there were a lot of sinners that followed Jesus. And that's some good news for some of us. And the, and the Pharisees spoke up and said, uh, why does he eat with such scum? And Jesus said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. So the church is not a hall of fame for the perfect. The church is a hospital for the broken, the sick, the confused, the searching. So we are not the first to deal with what we struggle with in the 21st century church. There is a defining moment in the book of Acts that changes the history of the church forever. Hidden in the pages of that book, we find an interesting, complicated, confusing church problem. And there ain't no problems like a church problem. The incident, <laughs> that was a big amen, the incident is commonly referred to as the Jerusalem Council. Some 20 years after the resurrection, the church has found itself in a wrestling match with a few questions. Questions like, who can be saved and who can't? Another question like, who qualifies to, to come to worship services? According to Dr. Luke, who is the writer of the book of Acts, the church was birthed in Acts chapter number two when the Holy Spirit came. And we find on launch day, opening day, that thousands of people embraced Jesus as this Messiah, the one they've been waiting for. And this brought an energy and an activity that was unprecedented. They've never seen anything like this. And one thing we see after that, that this move of God wasn't contained to the borders of Jerusalem. Before long, the message got out about Jesus' death and resurrection to surrounding villages and towns, and eventually the message overflowed to non-Jewish regions. This is really important, pay close attention. Now they were Gentiles, people that were not Jewish, hearing about the gospel of Jesus and believing. And once they believed, 
They wanted to join these Jesus gatherings, these church services. They wanted to come be a part of the people that believed in Jesus. So now, these Gentile believers are showing up at these Jewish meetings that were believing in Jesus, but these Gentiles were bringing their customs and their habits and their values and their differences, and it was extremely offensive to a Jewish culture that was extremely to the line of laws and religion and, 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 and rituals. They, were, they couldn't handle it. They weren't ready for these Gentiles to start showing up to church. It was just downright messy. It was complicated. Because in the Jewish culture, Jesus was their Messiah. And the Jewish people were confused that if you're gonna be a follower of Jesus, don't you have to convert to Judaism first? That's where we were stuck. This is first century church. They were stuck by people coming who did not look or act or feel the same or believe the same or raise the same as them. So immediately judgment came into the first century church. Acts chapter 15, verse one. While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers, the Gentiles. Unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. This, my dear brothers and sisters, <laughs> well, this is where they were stuck. If you are going to join the church, the new members class was snippy snippy. And I got a feeling that the new members class was a lot of women and children while the men wait in the car. The Jewish people were following Christ but still mixing their cultural beliefs and putting their traditional religious activities onto these Gentiles, they were demanding that they would be circumcised. They were demanding that they were to make some adjustments before they came into the church. Or right, hear what I'm saying. This is very, we don't, we, that's not what we're struggling with in 2022, but there are some groups of people who have their lines and their lists of expectations that if you're going to attend our church, if you're gonna be a believer, then you can't be like this, or you can't think like that, or you can't vote like this, or you can't dress like that. It's very easy for us in the church world, the longer we're in the church world, is to stop thinking about the secular world. And we don't think about how do we reach them because we become more, I guess, exclusive. We think our way, we, we hang out with people when that's all very good and understanding. But if we're not careful, we can get a little judgmental in the church world, talk back to me somebody. If you ain't amening about vibrant, amen about your mama's church. Somebody say amen. Here's what I need you to understand. It's not our job to decide who's qualified to come to Jesus. We cannot look at people on the outside and determine if they are welcomed or not welcomed. 
God didn't save us to become a judge of others. I have been to churches where if you have tattoos, that people get uncomfortable. I've been to churches where if you're not dressed appropriately, they will judge you and they won't want you to come back. And don't misunderstand me that, that if you've been saved a while, honey, you shouldn't wear your skirt up to here and your top down to here. I'm just saying. <laughs> Fellas, come on, talk back. You guys got to worry. There's some things that you're just, just working on, okay? We're all working together, all right? That's a joke, people. <laughs> but we look at people and, and, and we could judge them because they have a certain look a certain race, a certain political affiliation, a certain, uh, certain vibe that doesn't match our churchy culture. And if we're not careful, we begin to judge. I, I've heard people preach against facial hair. I've heard people preach against clothes. I remember I, I heard a pastor uh, took a Bible to a female and put his Bible down by her ankle and said, if your dress don't reach that Bible, it's way too short. And isn't that something? That's an outward appearance, by the way. So what if her dress is long? That girl can still be full of the devil. What if he did clean his face up and he looked like he was saved? That man could still be full of Satan himself. Some of you are like, yeah, I know. I was married to him. Come on, talk back to him. <laughs> we get stuck. We get stuck sometimes looking on the outward appearance and making judgment calls and saying, well, they, they're, they're not circumcised. Acts chapter 15, verse two, as we go on to the story, Paul and Barnabas disagreed with these guys that were saying this. And finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. We go down to verse four. And when they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church. They, so they're going back to headquarters where it all started, where the Holy Spirit fell. They're all going back, meeting together of the minds. And, and, and they were, the whole church was there, including the apostles who walked with Jesus and the elders. And they reported everything God had done through them. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. Right there, just boom, getting straight to it. No warming up, nothing, just boom, here we go. They have to be circumcised. What we have to understand is that circumcision at that time was just the beginning. In addition to circumcision, the Gentile believers would be required to submit to the entire law of Moses. They were complicating things. Let me ask you a question, or let me just tell you this. Religion complicates Jesus. Religion becomes less about Jesus and more about us. Religion causes us to focus on our spiritual activities and practices, our church attendance, our denominational associations, our positions in a church, we are tithers, we're important. My, my family, we're our back. I was talking to an individual not long ago in meeting this person who's here locally. They found out what I do, where I work, what, what my, I'm a pastor. And immediately out of their mouth is, uh, I'm Catholic. 
It happened to me just the other day again. Someone said, I'm Episcopalian, just straight off. Like, it's almost a way of don't invite me, okay? I get it. I understand. You don't want invited. But, I, you know, you think about that and you're like, but do you know Jesus? But do you know Jesus? I, I know I, you can know Jesus in these denominations. I'm not saying that you can't. But isn't it funny that immediately it's our denominational uh, association or affiliation that we show off like a badge when we need to say, you know, I'm washed in the blood. I'm saved by the grace of God. Uh, there's no denominations in heaven. Christianity is not a fulfilling experience for so many people. Because they have made it about being a good religious person when it's really about being in relationship with God. So there, there is a major, you may be thinking, well, Pastor, that I'm a little confused. I thought if I'm a Christian, I am religious. I get that. That's, a, that's an overarching term. But these religious activities, if we're not careful, can really conjure up some problems in your relationship with God. And so let me just give you a few. Religion says this, if I obey, I'm accepted. Relationship says I'm accepted, so I obey. You don't tithe to be accepted by God. You tithe because you're accepted by God. You don't go to church for his approval. You have his approval, so you go to church. You don't pray so God loves you. you lo he loves you so you pray. There's a total difference. Here's another one. Religion produces pride and despair. You become proud because of, your, uh, because of like your spirituality. Rel relationship produces humility and confidence. Religion is motivated by fear Relationship is motivated by love. Religion is you have to. Relationship is you get to. Many people today could be sitting in the rows and relationship with God is just an activity for you. So you have to be like, I hate going to church. I'm going to church because my wife asked me. I'm going to church because my, my husband asked me. I'm only going to church because, you know, my mom's going to be there. It's Father's Day. Listen to me. It will never be enjoyable if it's a checklist. But if it is this life-giving relationship with your creator, you can't wait to get to the house of God. You can't wait to hear the word. You can't wait to worship. You can't wait for the offering buckets to go by because you are in a relationship with God. When you mess up, when you fail, it makes a total difference. Religion says, I messed up. I've read this online not long ago. Dad's gonna kill me. Relationship says, I messed up. I need to call dad. <laughs> the less focused we become on Christ, the more legalistic we become. And this is a big statement. If you're going to write anything, I need you to write this down. Legalism is what happens when people try to do the Holy Spirit's job. I'm trying, cowboy. Religion and legalism... I've noticed do addition. They add to your life. You need to do more. You are not enough. You, 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 you go to church, so you need to do this and you need to do this. Really, religion and legalism add all these things like the circumcision conversation. 
that you need to dress better, act better, get your life together. And I get this, understand me, we still teach and inspire and help and lead. All of us are growing, all of us are trying, all of us are trying to become who God called us to be, but we have to be careful for those that are trying to come to God that we don't complicate it with the circumcision complication legalistic attitude. Jesus said, come to me, just so you know. He didn't say go to growth track, which you should go to growth track. He didn't say come to church, which you should go to church. If you got a Jesus exalting church, when you come to church, you came to Jesus. Matthew, 8, Matthew 11, 28 in the Amplified Version says this, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden by religious rituals that provide no peace. And I will give you rest, refreshing your souls with salvation. That's good news right there. The conversation back in Acts 15 progresses. And while all of these apostles and elders are gathered, verse eight picks up, Peter stands up. And he says this, God knows people's hearts. Isn't that good news? And he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. Aren't you glad that you're not saved by anything other than grace through faith? That nothing you could add to Jesus saves you. It is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. The church is struggling to add something to Jesus. And he says, just them having faith is enough. Just them declaring that, Je let me just quote Jesus, or let me quote this, uh, Paul said this, somebody said this, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not just some, anybody, whosoever will come. And I just had to say this, I wrote this down this morning. If we're not careful, we become a little graceless. And who are we to withhold the grace from others that we need every day? We've heard from Paul, we've now heard from Peter. In Acts chapter 15, verse nine, James, the brother of Christ, stands up and he says, and so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Here's one of my final points for you today. We should not make it difficult. James was not talking about compromising the good news of salvation by grace through faith. He wasn't suggesting throwing the moral principles of God out the window. He was, however, emphasizing that we shouldn't put barriers and spiritual hurdles in front of people who want to come to Jesus. This should be a benchmark for every church and every believer that we do not make it difficult by how we post, I'll give it a minute, <laughs> by how we post, how we post can make it difficult for the world to want the Jesus that you serve. 
how we act, how we talk. Not only that, but also as a church. If you, I don't know if you noticed, but Vibrant Church is not necessarily a traditional church. I mean, I don't even know what we did up here this morning. I'm not sure if that was biblical or not, but hey, we did it. We just, we want to create a church where people who are far from God at least will give God a chance. A chance. Give them a shot. Well, Pastor Ethan, if the gospel's preached and the word's going forth, the people will get saved and it's just gonna, it's just, you know, you don't need to do all this. I actually tend to disagree with that because here's the thing. We're living in a time that's very post-Christian, that they've already had it. They've already ran through church before. They've been through those preachers. They've been through those churches. They've, they've had a lot of it. And what they need is a fresh take on Jesus, an experience that may be different. It may not be every church's ministry, but that's our ministry, to reach people who are far from God, to help them know God, find, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. That's why we exist. But if we tend on doing church the way we insist on our preferences, the problem is we're not reaching people who have already turned us off because it looks like how they grew up. I remember, uh, I don't go to the gym much. I'm praying about returning. Still in prayer. Join me in prayer. <laughs> but there's a gym called Planet Fitness. There's one here in town. And they have in the, on the sign on the wall, it says this is a no, this is a judgment-free zone. You ever seen that? They're communicating to people, because going to the gym can be intimidating for those of us with the physique that we have. Well, Pastor Tyson, Pastor Aaron, Pastor Pastor Josiah tucks his shirt in with full confidence. I would never do, I looked at my wife, I was like, I would never do that. I get them long and like, how long can I get this thing? Pastor Tyson's shirt today, I would love, I want one. But if I wore that, I would look like, this is not good. This is not a, it's just long and unbuttoned and... <laughs> But at the gym, it says it's a judgment-free zone. What they're trying to do is alleviate the anxiety that comes with going to the gym sometimes. They're trying to make a gym for everybody. This, this is not necessarily a CrossFit gym. This is not, like you go to Planet Fitness and there's not oftentimes these big meathead guys. And I love that you're here, but normally they go to a different type of gym. A meathead gym. <laughs> Please don't quit our church. Just don't. <laughs> but those, but it's a different kind of gym. Planet Fitness just feels like it's for everybody. You can be old and you can be young. You can be in shape or out of shape. It's a judgment-free zone. And they remind you when you go, hey, this is a, in fact, if you get too loud in there, you set the weights down too loud, all of a sudden the alarm goes off. Like, hey, meathead, knock it off. <laughs> I want our church to be the plan of fitness church. You ever been to Walmart? Everybody at Walmart, there's like, there's no regard for human decency at Walmart. 
<laughs> Who cares, man? You go to other places, really nice places, you may get a certain type of clientele at those kind of stores and those kind of uh, establishments. But when you go to Walmart, no, no, we all level at the foot of the cross at Walmart. <laughs> Vibrant Church is not a church for rich people. Vibrant Church is not a church for poor people. Vibrant Church is not a church for white folks. Vibrant Church is not a church for black folks. Vibrant Church is a Walmart church for everybody, everywhere. It's not our job to decide who's qualified to come to Jesus. It's our job to bring people to Jesus. That's our job. That's why we do what we do. That's my prayer for you, is that we don't become stuck in verse one thinking, well, they're just not, you know, we just need a little more. Like, they don't read their Bible enough, Pastor Ethan. And like, you know, just, just listen, church is messy. And understand, hear me today, I believe the scripture teaches that if you're going to move someone into positions of leadership, there are qualifications according to the word of God. And we watch that. But for whoever comes through the doors, whoever wants to step, they can smell like weed, let them in this church. They may still have bloodshot eyes from the night before, but you let them in those doors. They may have 15 kids, but you let them through that door. They may have track marks in their arm, but you let them through that door. They may be a stripper on Friday night, but you let them through that door. Why? Because we're a Walmart church. We're a no judgment church. We're a judgment free church. We can't withhold from them what God gave to us. Who are we to judge them? Will you stand with me all over the room? I was thinking about this, Armani, on the way in today. You know, Jesus was on the cross, and on one side he had one thief, and on the other side he had another thief. And I was thinking about that, and one thief looks at Jesus and says, Remember me. You know, that thief never got to a baptism tank. That thief didn't get to go through growth track. That thief didn't get to sign up on a serve team. That thief never got to open his Bible. That thief, Jesus said, today, I'll see you in paradise. Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. With eyes closed all over the room, if you don't know Jesus, the best gift we can give our Father on Father's Day is one more soul in the kingdom of God. If you don't know Jesus in this room or you feel so much shame and you stop going to church or you just feel like you're not a good enough person to be a Christian, can I tell you today, none of us are good enough to be a Christian. That's kind of the point. It's kind of the point. With eyes closed all over the room, for those of you that are joining us online, even right now, I want you to join me in this moment. If you don't know Jesus, I want you to raise your hand to heaven. Or you've gotten away from God, or you feel guilt and shame and you just don't have confidence toward God. I want you to raise your hand. Thank you for those hands, thank you. Just saying, I've drifted away from God. Thank you so much. It's the greatest decision you could ever make to say yes to Jesus on Father's Day. <laughs> saying yes, 
You do me a favor, church. Can we pray together? Repeat this prayer after me. Father, on Father's Day, I repent of my sin. Forgive me of my unrighteousness. Forgive me from where I failed. Wash me clean with your blood. Come into my heart. Make me new in Jesus' name. We believe it. Somebody give God a big praise in this house today.